Welcome to the Adelan Rising podcast. We're your hosts, Sarah and Lynn and Adam. In today's episode, we will be discussing We Only Find Them When They're Dead, number two, The Magnificent Miss Marvel, number 15, and Champions, number one. How is everyone? Wonderful. I'm doing good. How are you, Lynn? Good. That's I'm good. Right. Champions is back. It is. We're all excited for Champions. I am it too. I'm glad to see that so, team together. That was always a solid run. Yeah, yeah, and the new uh, the the fact it's written by Eve Ewing and drawn by Simone De Mayo. Oh, we'll come on to it in a bit, but it's 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 very good. But for now, have we got any news? NYCC was last weekend. Well, virtual NYCC. Yeah, that was that was interesting. I mean, SDCC. Um, again, I think I was pretty. I. I enjoyed sdcc i saw a couple of the panels i stayed up late a couple of nights but did you guys watch a lot from nycc i watched the women of marvel panel which was good um and then uh the x-men panel was right after that and i don't remember anything from it other than the fact that um when they were discussing making a, an x-men event teeny howard was like you know what's really cool swords and then uh, someone else was like you know what's even cooler more swords and that was the basic concept of ten of swords <laughs> sounds sounds about right i mean um i i can kind of i kind of understand the fact that you don't remember a lot from that because i think the x-men books are so intense at the moment that you kind of need the need the road to road of sword uh, x of swords or ten of swords or however you want to however you want to say it so yeah i don't blame you for not remembering anything about that i don't that's all i got from it that that's legit all I got from it, um, it was a good laugh. Uh, the Women of Marvel panel was cool. Uh, we're in for some big stuff for uh, Carol and uh, Jess in their respective comics. Leah Williams was on the panel, and she talked about her X-Men books there. And again, I don't recall what she was talking about. But <laughs> um, everyone was excited about iBoy. So, yeah. Was... Everybody loves yeah, iBoy. Yeah. yeah, and all of his eyes, which don't look freaky at all. <laughs> hey, you, you need some ugly x-men too <laughs> true yeah i mean you can't all look like you know buff hench guys and girls we can't all be nightcrawler um, that's right <laughs> oh can't... nightcrawler and wolverine just you know <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> we can't all we can't all be nick robles nightcrawler Exactly. That's that's what I was <laughs> referencing. That's what I was referencing. No, that's good. But yeah, I mean, NYCC. It's a bit. It's a bit weird. Uh, everything being from kind of home and all these streams. But they should do it more often. I feel like that if they figured out the logistics of doing these panels online, they should just do like a, an online Comic Con once or twice a year. I mean, I feel like that would really be good for people i I think we're going to continue having them for a while i think what they're going to wind up doing is we're going to have our physical panels and then i know like they'll podcast them at a later date but i think they're eventually just gonna start live streaming them for everyone at home because they never did that before usually it would be like people would be live typing what was going on at the panel but honestly i feel like they should just stream the panel itself that day yeah instead of releasing it like a week later just let the people at home listen to I kind of, I kind of feel like that's that's definitely the way forward. I mean, what we're we looking at middle of next year before, you know, anything anything significant in the COVID front kind of changes. But Blizzard Entertainment has been doing this for years now with their BlizzCon. So yeah. basically, you know, 
if you can't get out to San Diego for BlizzCon, because it's the same venue as SDCC, if you can't get out there for BlizzCon, they actually, they do make, it's, it's, it wasn't free, but you got perks in the game if you paid the, you know, $30 ticket, $40 ticket for the virtual experience. So you could watch all their panels live. Um, you also got in-game perks for that, for paying for that. So you got like a pet or something or a mount in the game. And I feel like if NYCC utilized something like that, that would be kind of cool. It would, yeah. And, and you know, C2E2 and SDCC, if they all did something similar where like you pay, you know, something like that for just like a weekend access to all the panels and stuff and then at the end of it you get like a swag bag or you know the kind of thing that we got when we were at C2E2 yes and and that would be really good I think that would be um be one of those things where I think it would generate a bit of interest and intrigue in the whole in the whole comic-con stuff so but it's it's here to stay for a little while which reminds me, actually, because this, I think next weekend would have been the second MCM of the year in London. And uh, obviously the read pop kind of uh, metaverse thing, which is was a part of the NYCC, um, kind of kind of took over that, I think, a little bit. I ordered a I ordered a metaverse pin for MCM to go with my uh, NYCC one. Nice. I did. I got some I got some loot from the website this year just for the comic can't. i heard there was some good uh some good merch there there was there was some really good merch um jen bartell had a whole like line of stuff in there so if you're a fan of jen bartell that was your chance to get like they had a commemorative badges so even if you didn't have your nycc badge for this year apparently this was the 15th year of new york comic con so she had like a whole line of badges and lanyards and stuff so i got a bunch of that because i love jen bartell um nice and there was a really cool there was a cool hoodie that um it was a comic-con hoodie so it had like pockets for your posters and shit that was fun (laughs) (laughs) oh that's that's like um uh lynn's bag that's right at c2e2 that was that was an incredible bag it was the jim lee backpack i had the cheaper version of that but your backpack was was rad especially designed for comic-con and art like, like, and there was me with my little like my little satchel man bag thing and <laughs> i was struggling the entire weekend <laughs> yeah i had my little 15 dollar bag from uh walmart but it still opened at the yeah. top so i could get my 17 by 20 artworks in there and things signed it was good yeah i i i you know it's one of those things I, we talk about comic cons now and we, we're going on a tangent i know but i really cannot wait until cons are back and i know it's going to be a long time but you know c2e2 was so much fun this year and uh, i I really glad we went hope to do it again relatively you know relatively soon being you know the next few years but yeah speaking of which you guys need to watch utopia on amazon prime we watched we watched the first episode and it takes place at a comic-con it's actually it's a little too close to home Oh no, I gotta, I gotta watch that. Funnily enough, I was talking to my my friends this morning. Uh, went out for breakfast with my mates, and um, we were talking about this show. And it's actually based on a UK TV show of the same name. Uh, came out in about two thousand and nine, so about eleven years ago. So that's where I recognise it from, because uh, obviously we were talking about this kind of uh, yesterday. And uh, yeah, I recognise it from the UK version that was uh, screened on Channel Four. Ah, I didn't know so, that. So. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. Good to know. And um, speaking of TV shows, uh, we've got uh, Modoc coming yes. to Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> and Lynn is very excited about it, apparently. Oh, my God. It looks hysterical. It, I, I love that it's stop motion animation. I yes. love stop motion animation. I love puppets. It's <laughs> his, and I love Patton Oswalt. And now yes. that he's been cast yeah. as Modoc, I can only hear Modoc's dialogue. In his voice. Makes all the Agent Koenigs a completely different light. Oh <laughs> my god. Yeah, I, I can just hear him. Clap for Modoc. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they'll adapt him as Kelly Thompson's Brodock at some point. Because that oh. would be hysterical. Uh, and Ben Schwartz from Parks and Rec is going to be his son. Oh shit. And I don't know if I've sent it to you guys, but if you haven't seen Patton Oswalt's epic rant from Parks and Rec, you, you have to Google it. It's on YouTube. His epic rant is about, you know, he's at a city hall meeting and he's filibustering. And his filibuster is all about his ideas for how Disney can combine the Star Wars and the Marvel universes. And the whole <laughs> thing is one giant ad lib. He just went and it goes on for like, it's like over seven minutes. That's amazing. I feel like that's something I could absolutely get behind. And I, I'm going to go and literally go and YouTube that um, before the end of today. Oh, it, oh, it's incredible. And you've got Amy Poehler shouting asides from off screen. <laughs> wow. That's brilliant. I, I can't wait for this. I, I love Patton Oswald, and and he does not get enough screen time in the UK. I mean, like I said, the only things I actually know him from is the uh, uh, the Goldbergs and uh, Agents of Shield. They're the only two things I see him in. Um, and it's it's such a shame because I love him so much. I did not realize he was in the Goldbergs. I need to watch that show. Oh yeah, he's the narrator. Yeah, he's he's the narrator. Yeah, he he plays an adult version of uh, Adam Goldberg. I did not even know that. Pretty sure that's his name. Yeah. I just know that that takes place in so. like Philly, and I just understand a lot of that. Yeah, it's it's like a it's it's like a always sunny in Philadelphia. It's like an ode to the eighties. Yeah, it's an ode to the eighties. No, it's like an ode to all the eighties. Yeah. yeah, you know the the best decade, even though I wasn't born in it. I was. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> but anyway, should we uh, should we move on to comic books because we did have three very good comic books um was it just over a week ago yep so should we dive into we only find them when they're dead issue two let's do it cool so we only find them when they're dead uh, issue two which is a long title we have no way to abbreviate it um, it only, only makes it worse <laughs> yeah exactly you can call it it's, it's like, you can call it waft waft did waft uh, it doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, we only find them when they're dead. Issue two was written by uh, Al Ewing, illustrated by Simone Di Meo. Uh, color assists were by Maria Sara Miotti. I apologize if I've completely butchered that. Uh, letterer was And World Design. Cover artist was Simone Di Meo. Variant covers from Raphael uh, Albuquerque and Peach Momoko. Uh, logo design designer was... Scott Newman, designer of Grace Park, assistant editor Gwen Waller, and editor is Eric Harburn. Um, just an aside, Peach Momoko is incredible. Yes. Right? 
I, I mean, I'd never heard of her before the last couple of months. Yeah, she just and exploded everywhere now. Yeah, she she did a couple variant covers for Marvel. Um, yeah. And then um, all of a sudden, like, exploded. And I don't know. I think it might have been the magic one that did it. Um, or maybe another one. I don't know. But she she's very recently exploded. She's done one. Um, she's done a lot of Marvel covers. And Marvel made her one of their um, Stormbreakers. So we'll be getting a bunch of covers yep. from her. Yeah, it's brilliant. But anyway, back to uh, back to this book. So kind of a brief synopsis of the issue. Uh, this issue was building on much of what was shown in the previous issue. There are scenes from the year before this comic was set in uh, 2366, where George seemingly gathers his team for finding a god when they're uh, not dead. Uh, Jason's sister, Ella, the coroner from the previous issue, as she was described, uh, she's not totally on board and believing her brother has been duped by a guy wanting him to do something. I mean, we've all been there, right? <laughs> there is uh, There is one additional flashback where... George has kind of lost his parents, is seemingly forced out of a job due to food poisoning. Uh, apparently totally random, but by the sounds of it, it was set up by Paula. Um, in the current year, 2367, uh, where this comic book is kind of happening, we follow the team aboard the Vihan 2 as they put this plan into action, where Paula Richter, uh, not being on, act- uh, on duty, supposedly, uh, and not there to listen to them on the ship, Nothing seems to go to plan. Um, they take the ship to warp speed and uh, Paula appears out of nowhere and gives chase. So I really enjoy this book. I'm really loving this book. Um, I, I love the fact it's a, it's a bit of a slow burn and there's enough information to kind of being, being drip fed to me to kind of keep me into it. Yeah, I have a feeling it's really going to pick up next issue once they're stuck out there with Paula. You know, is she going to chase them the entire quest or is she going to end up a reluctant crew member like they're, they're Dr. Smith from Lost in Space? And uh, you know, if you look at the preview for the next issue, I think she's going to end up with them. She's in a pretty bad way. She is. I mean, um, the preview pages did come out this week and uh, she doesn't, she really, she, I mean, she's missing limbs. I mean, that's how bad it's got. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's one to look forward to. But this book, yeah, the writing is very good. As always with Al, I'm very happy with how it's kind of written and how it's, uh, as as I mentioned earlier, the information being provided is is done in such a way that it's enough to keep you going. Um, and what I really like is he's not really universe building, but he's building like the personal relationships between the characters. And that's, again, something that I was incredibly good at. And uh I was having a, a conversation with a friend today, actually, so as, an, as an aside. Um, and something I really like about this book is the fact that you've got this big sci-fi universe happening around them, but they're not taking the time to explain the universe itself. It really is all about the characters. And uh, that that's, that's always the sign of a really well done book, in my opinion. Um, and I'm also loving how Al, Al doesn't use the same overused tropes in sci-fi, uh, considering there aren't many gay space captains out there, and especially the love interest being the guy from engineering, because that barely any ha- barely ever happens. It, it's very rude that the engineers never get to be the love interest. Uh, it's, it's a very sexy profession, and we're adorable. Okay. <laughs> that, that being said, 
excuse me, it's a totally inappropriate workplace relationship. And George is a cradle robber. Shame on him. Yeah, I think somebody should uh, give a give a call to HR on that one. Which who, uh, HR wish is also George. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. Maybe <laughs> maybe there's there's no point complaining, but uh, I, I think this is going to be kind of uh, a new kind of a new classic sci-fi book, in my opinion. It's it's uh, got all the makings of something really good. And uh, I kind of want my novelization of it as soon as possible, really. Says the man who complains about comics having too many words. You know what? That would make this comic even better. No pictures and just words. Adam wants to see it all in his head. He doesn't want pictures to help him for this one. No, no, I know. I, 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 this one is done so well with, I mean, I'll come on to it later. I think we've, we discussed it a couple episodes ago, but pictures in this one are beautiful oh, the artwork is amazing gorgeous but... so uh but the other thing was we kind of mentioned a few points last issue um that i i kind of wonder if we want to expand on slightly um which is to do with paula so it seems like she constantly bugs the ship and she's constantly listening to sh- the ship um as to as opposed to the company as a whole because the company only seemed to kind of peek in every now and then um, and she's pretty switched on, and I wonder if she knows a little bit more about George's plan than we're led to believe. Yeah, you know, she does work for the company, though. I, I think she's just listening more than anybody else, out of spite. She can't. She, she seems yeah. like a total jerk. Yeah. Yeah. So I, far, I, I just feel like these because we've had a flashback with her in now mm-hmm. as well. I just feel like there's just something there that's. Um, that we're gonna we're gonna find out about. Maybe she does. Maybe she's related to him in some way. I don't know, but she seems to know more than. Uh... She's a bit obsessed. Yes. Yeah, and she seems to know more than she's letting on. And I, I think anyway. Oh she, yes, she obviously does. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was there was slightly less use of nautical terms in this one, but kind of continuing on with the the eight bells all's well phrase. I don't have to learn quite as much on this one. <laughs> I don't have to not do quite googling, as much research. Not googling <laughs> nautical terms while you read. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, as as we mentioned before, artwork is still beautiful. Um, Simone Di Meo is an incredible artist, uh, and somehow gives that incredible kind of sci-fi vibe to it, um, and just doing it brilliantly. And it really continues to set up that whole kind of space odyssey theme, and I just I just love it. Um, so yeah, so last episode we kind of mentioned the use of color and how contrasting colors were being used, uh, and it's no different in this issue. I also really like how when there are two characters in the same room, the palette shifts slightly to accommodate both of those colors. For instance, like um, when Jason and and George are in the same room, it's kind of that yellow and green palette, and it's combined in one room. It's it's just such a nice touch, and it kind of helps. Uh, show what characters are kind of involved in certain panels um which i realized was only two at the time and it doesn't take a <laughs> take a, a genius to work it out but it was good for me um yeah the other thing i loved is just the way that ships are shown kind of moving in space that kind of out of focus sort of thing um and everything else kind of seems like really almost like a dream sequence kind of thing just give me more of that and I will be incredibly happy. Well, it's just, yeah. we will be getting more of that 
with champions. Yeah. Um, I feel like Simone de Mayo is going to be an artist we're going to want want to watch going forward. Um, I feel like uh, they're definitely um, due for an explosion in popularity um, just from these two issues uh, alone. We only find the winner dead in the Champions issue we'll be talking about soon. But um, yeah, yeah, keep an eye out for them because they're they I think are going to be one to watch for sure. It's just it's it's um, it's kind of cool seeing certain artists like just blow up in popularity and i think like you said simone de mayo is going to be one and as we mentioned earlier peach momoko is going to be you know another one um and it's just so nice to see it's uh it's one of those things where it's just you know it's 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 really really good to see new blood basically i think i just was going to say watch your artists because they're a big part of why you pick up the book in the first place yeah yeah, no, that's that's very true, and I think that we only find them when they're dead. It's a really big example of that. I think, you know, had it been the same story but a you know a bad artist, I think I would have been less willing to keep it up and maybe pick it up in trade. And and yeah, excellent decision by by everybody involved on this book to put some on the on the book itself. So if you're not getting this book, please reconsider and go and pick it up. It is just a absolute gem of a book and really deserves all of the purchases um it continues to kind of expand on its characters and not in a way where you feel kind of over encumbered by information and al doesn't seem to be going for the whole universe building but really the character development their history um and i i i kind of feel like there's some books that exist out there that do an awful lot of universe and character building at the same time all up front where things can kind of get lost too quickly. And uh, I, I feel like this book shows you don't need an encyclopedic knowledge of a universe to to really get the story. So drip feeding is fine, is good. Oh, are, are you sub-podcasting a certain X-Men writer? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> when, when I wrote my notes, uh, I was not... <laughs> Um, but yeah, as, as number one, highest recommendation as possible. Uh, it's such a good book. I gave this one four out of five slabs of God meat. And, uh, yeah, like I mentioned enough, enough information to keep you going and keep coming back for more. Um, issue three is out on November the 11th and, uh, the initial trade ha- trade has a release date of April, 2021, which feels so far off, but <laughs> it's coming up quickly. Anyway, next up is Champions, I believe. Champions number one. The writer is Evel Ewing. Artist, Simone DeMeo. Colorist, Frederico B. Letterer, Clayton Cowles. The cover artist is Tony Infante. And there are variant covers by Simone DeMeo, Pasquale Ferry, and Chris Sotomayor. Kari Andrews, Peach Momoko, and Ron Lim and Israel Silva. Graphic designer, is, yeah. graphic designer is Carlos Lau, assistant editor is Martin Biro, and the editor is Alana Smith. In the aftermath of a disastrous Champions mission where Vivision exploded, causing massive damage and injuring Ms. Marvel, teenage superheroes are banned by Kamala's Law, which is enforced by the insultingly named government agency Cradle. <laughs> the issue opens at Miles Morales' school in Brooklyn, where the kids all watch a message from Ms. Marvel condemning the law, revealing a split among the students, some of whom are in favor of the legislation and are starting their own Junior Cradle League. 
Later that day, Miles is almost arrested in a sting operation, but escapes to a champion's hideout where a who's who of teenage heroes have gathered. A gathering that is cut short by a raid by Cradle, led by Vance Estrovic. Bombshell and the Unstoppable Wasp are captured, while Pinpoint teleports the rest of the teen heroes away. In the final pages, it's revealed that Cradle was acting on a tip. A tip sent by a synthesoid. They assume it came from Vision, but in the final panels, the traitor is revealed to be Viv Vision herself. What? No way! No. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm usually not a Champions fan, but I think Ms. Ewing is going to get me on board. Yeah, I, I kind of felt the way uh, that way about the Ironheart series. I wasn't a huge fan of kind of teen heroes, but actually, as you say, uh, Eve does a really fantastic job. I'm going to be the opposite. I actually enjoyed the previous Champions book, um, so I was very happy um, to hear that uh, Eve Ewing was going to tackle on the team. So uh, I'm very excited by this, and I hope it's popular enough that it continues into an ongoing and not just the three issues because I just love how Eve writes anyway. So oh, she, she is yeah. a great writer. I loved her Ms. Marvel Spider-Man team up story. And this is just as she great. She a lot of fun at CTV too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was the best panel. I think I went to that weekend to be honest Women with you. Women of Marvel is always the best panel at any of the cons. It's just always so fun. Yeah. But that was probably my favorite Women of Marvel's panel I've ever been to. That was fantastic. Absolutely. But anyway, sorry. Anyway, you know, she is a f- fabulous writer and in this story, you know, there's just enough exposition to get you up to speed. Which is which is really good for me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> A few and words good. Is... <laughs> and she is great at writing teenagers. You know, they all have their own unique personalities and they're reacting to the law in their own way. Some are angry. Some can kind of see where the adults are coming from. Like Miles. Like I, Miles. I, I, I feel like this is... Um, a really great thing to show uh, is is kind of like the teenagers working out where they stand on something because they're at that age. And I remember being at this age where, you know, you see something come up, there's like a, a new law or something and trying to work out where you sit is probably one of the, the weirdest things to, to kind of happen in your, in your life, I think. Um, and, and this is really nice to see that. And she's written it so well. And, you know, Ms. Marvel is pretty intense in this one. There's a whole bit in there about the adults misleading them. And I wonder if she's still harboring some resentment over Civil War Two. I think she is. Which I do. in Marvel time happened probably like a month before this book. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I know we talked about data pages before, but honestly, I think a data page with all these kids listed out would have been helpful. Yeah. For all of us not up to speed on every single teenage I... character because they are all in there. Yeah, yeah, there was one, the one that she kind of, she had the red visor. I don't know who that was. That's she was Starling. Off... Yeah. Starling. Okay. She was recently in another. Miles. She was in that and she was in a Spider-Man short, Salad, Saladin Ahmed, Ahmed wrote recently. So I had no idea who she was. I recognized Red Locust, and um, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think there he created some... her. Yes, I think you're yeah, right. I, 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 I'm going to agree as well, because I feel like I could recognize maybe like 75% of the people there. Um, but there were some that I was just like, 
who is this? Where did you come from? What's your origin? Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's uh... give me a at least give me a name and an arrow. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 also I, I felt like um and just kind of, you know, slight as a slight aside. Um, it would have been nice to have like little editors boxes where they say, you know, as seen in issues X, Y, Z from 2017 or something. Yes. Because that would have been really nice to go back and like see their origins and stuff. I mean, you know, I kind of right. said that twice really, but. Go back to Marvel Unlimited and be like, hey, this is where they showed up. And I only can get a little bit more context on the character and see why yeah. they think yeah. what they think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the art in this is just as gorgeous as we'd expect from Simone de Mayo. Yep. And oh my God, the, yeah. the color work by Federico B is phenomenal, especially yeah. the way he renders light. I mean, the, the color palette's also reminiscent of we only find them when they're dead. I had to check that it wasn't the same colorist because it is quite similar. Yeah, I, I, I love that about this issue is the fact that it's um, like the same Simone de Mayo art, but like in a much more earthbound setting. And, you know, I really appreciate the differences between the two. And it's uh, it's such a such a great start on this book. It's just it's just really pretty. It yeah. is. And you know, the dramatic angles and all the panels kind of give it a sense of movement, but it keeps it from looking too busy, which is a delicate balancing act. Yeah, especially when you've got like a big cityscape. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you get some some artists, they like to put all the detail in there, which, you know, is good is good for some artists. It's, um, you know, and sometimes they do a really minimalistic thing where it's just like panels of grey. But this is so lovingly detailed. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just really great. It's really done well. Uh, it shows that he's versatile. So he can do like some some artists will like tend to excel at one thing or the other. And uh, this is, if anything, it shows that, you know, he has a consistent <laughs> style, but he can draw just about anything. It, it shows like the, the literally two opposites. You know, you've got a really big cityscape versus the void of space. <laughs> and the fact that he can make both look amazing is, is fantastic. And Simone is also really good at not sexualizing teenagers yes they all look younger and scrawnier than the adults nova in particular who is just adorable i love sam alexander he does not he does not get the love that he is due yeah i remember i remember getting sam's first nova book way back when um and uh, I, I only picked it up literally because I thought, hey, Richard Ryder's a good character. And then it wasn't Richard Ryder. So, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, if you if you haven't read Sam's solo adventures, I really highly recommend it. I love Sam. It also looks like Moon Girl was aged up. I don't know if that's just the way he draws her or maybe they're aging her up to match the TV show that's coming where she's supposed to be 13. I wonder, I'm glad I'm not the only one that noticed that because I was looking at it and I paused and I went, huh. She's she's taller. Yeah. She's definitely taller than she was. And yeah. A little lankier. And I feel like too, they give you, what, what really threw me off too is that Miles' friend uh, Jamila looks a lot like Lunella. Like if you look at the two of them together, I'm like. Yeah. yeah they got the yeah. same hairstyle. Yeah. And the and glasses. And glasses as and well. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, that it throws me off every time every time but yeah uh, i'm glad i'm not the only one who noticed that lunella looked a bit older 
So uh, that's interesting. We'll see if that continues going forward in other books and things. Keep an eye out, guys. This issue, I thought we did a really good job setting things up. And if you don't know who Vance Ostrovic is, he accidentally killed his abusive father and was convicted of negligent homicide, which explains why he's involved with Cradle. He knows firsthand what can happen with an inexperienced superhero. And that all happened in New Warriors 20 through 25. Um, that was some, uh, I thought that was an extra, uh, excellent little thing. I didn't know that until you made those notes and I was like, mm-hmm. huh, that was pretty, some good research either. I don't know if an editor told Eve to use it or she was researching, but I thought that was a nice, uh, a nice touch. Yeah. A bunch of these kids came from the new warriors comic. So yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing about Vance, uh, uh Astrovic was that, uh, I think I might have already mentioned this on the podcast, but a friend of mine um, was replaying Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2 on GameCube, uh, and he's a playable character in it, and it's funny because I had no idea where he was from or That's anything about it. a deep cut yeah. a playable character, wow. Yeah, yeah and, and, and it was just like, I he asked me who they were, and I was like, I had no idea. So I Googled it, and he's uh, obviously one of the, the Marvel boys as well that have existed. And... Um, yeah, it's was, it was just weird that it all kind of came together at once. I found it interesting that there's a loophole in Kamala's Law that you can yep. still be a teen hero if you have a mentor, which I'm going to call the sidekick clause. Or, or the, the, the Bucky bylaw. The, the Rick Jones requirement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, wonder, I wonder how many of these we can come up with. <laughs> right, because they, they, mentioned, uh, they mentioned that the new Falcon, um, he's being mentored by Sam Wilson. So what mm-hmm. surprised me was that Janet Van Dyne didn't sponsor Nadia because what? Is she not an approved mentor or what? Because I feel like Janet would have had Nadia signed up to be mentored by someone, if not herself, like within a second. I, I, yeah, I wonder if we're going to get into that because most of these kids have some mentor somewhere. Right. So do they not want to run a foul of Cradle and they're not going to mentor their own sidekick? Right. Like, like, and then you have like uh, Valeria and um, the Richards kids. Franklin. Yeah. Franklin, Franklin, thank yep. you. I wanted to call him Ben. I'm like, no, it's not Ben. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, I'm assuming like they just get a pass because their parents are Reed and Sue. Like, I'm I'm intrigued to see like I'm just surprised Nadia wouldn't have been already like signed up Snapped by Janet. Up. Yeah. 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 And the rest of the agents of Girl, like that would have been like done in a second because yeah. you've got both her and Mockingbird to mentor those kids. And I'm just like, what what <laughs> these kids are just rude too for not wanting D Man as a mentor for he is a treasure and has a really cute dog. Yeah. Oh my god. I I I reread uh, Lockjaw like a week or so ago because it is such an excellent book. And I, I friggin' love D-Man. He is such a nice character. He's, he's yeah. He'd be a great mentor. He yeah, would. He, he absolutely would. He would be getting pizza. He'd get his friend Lockjaw. Uh, you know, and he's got he's got a nice dog, as you said. And, uh, you he know, he's actually saved... got a name. That's true, actually. Yeah. Name the dog. Oh. Name the dog. But such good. Yeah, if you haven't read uh, Lockjaw, it's by Dan Kibblesmith. It came out, what, 20, 
18, 18? I want to say. 18? I think so. Yeah, that sounds about right. Good one. And Poor D-Man. Give D-Man love. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of tie-ins, this story ties into the current runs of Ms. Marvel and Miles Morales' Spider-Man, both by the Eisner Award-winning Saladin Ahmed. Yay. Yeah. Hey. And this and this definitely ties well to the other comic books. Um, but I, this is definitely the main event. I mean, this feels like the biggest... Um, the biggest impact book you know what i mean it's yeah. kind of like the, the main civil war mm-hmm. title from from the civil war uh story and and miss marvel and miles are, are already tying into it and they're kind of good tie-ins separately but uh right and, yeah. Um, yeah the miles one has been excellent so far yes yeah um, do you need to pick that one up you do need to pick it up and also if you've read iron man 2020 the re-re tie-in for that um mentions the um the events of outlawed as well and the new law uh, the kamala's law as well um and it's basically really trying to work around all of that so um if you haven't that came out a few months ago so if you haven't read it you yeah. should um because it does kind of tangentially also tie into this as well yeah i, I feel like um you know it's just, it's just worth mentioning that obviously covid has had a big impact so, so obviously you can have books that kind of tie in in some places and it's just, uh, it's, it's, I think it's got a little bit difficult in some cases. I think this one kind of suffers a little bit because of that, but not by much. No, not by much. I think Outlaw came in before the like literally the week before everything yeah. shut down. So yeah, I'm glad they still continued with the event because I really wanted to know more. Um, there's a really great moment in the Miles book this week with Captain America and it was awesome, and you should read it. So. Saladin Ahmed writes a great Captain America. Yes, he does. I mean, so I, I, I'm loving the current run by um, Tana Hesse Coates, but uh, I would love to see Saladin Ahmed tackle Cap too. Yeah. Every time he shows up in a Saladin Ahmed book, it's just wonderful. Yeah, and I, I think I think what we said about Al Ewing and writing um we only find them when they're dead, I think applies really well to Saladin as well. Um because yeah, you, know, you look at Black Bolt, he's writing the character, he's not writing the universe around the character and it's very much focused on those kind of relationships and those people. And uh you know, a, another book I read recently was Abbott. Um because if you haven't heard, there's a <laughs> There's a sequel coming, but Abbott by Saladin Ahmed is brilliant. And again, it focuses on a character, not everything around them. Um, it's Yeah, really good. And um, it's a good Halloween read. Yes. Yes, yeah. Um, but going back to, to Champions, um, I think Eve Ewing did a good job getting a bunch of kids in a book. And uh, like you said earlier, Lynn, just ensemble books aren't hard, especially when you have moody kids. And I think she did a good job balancing <laughs> that. So many moody teenagers in this book. Oh my oh. god! No wonder nobody wants to mentor them. But oh, <laughs> oh. cranky adult. All right, but I, I'm going to give this one four out of five lockjaws. It's a great start to the series. Eve Ewing is an incredible writer and is absolutely beautiful to look at. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. You're missing out on fun. Read it. <laughs> anyway, shall we move on to uh, move on to Magnificent Miss Marvel? 
Let's do it. All right, so uh, moving on to Magnificent Miss Marvel number 15. Writer is Eisner Award-winning Saladin Ahmed. Artist is Minkyu Young. Inker is Juan Velasco. And I think this is, guys, the last issue we have ever inked by him. Um, may he rest yeah. in peace. Um, we're going to miss you on this book, Mr. Velasco. Color artist Ian Herring. Uh, letterer is VC's Joe Caramagna. Uh, cover artist is Edward Petrovich. Graphic designer, Carlos Lau. Assistant editor is Martin Biro, And editor is Alana Smith. Kamala has returned to school after the accident that landed her in the hospital and led to the creation of Kamala's Law. She hates the attention it brings her and the um, concern from her friends and uh, actually shows a little bit of a divide between her and Zoe about Kamala's Law, which was an interesting scene. Um, meanwhile, uh, Dum Dum Dugan and the rest of Cradle are searching for Miss Marvel to bring her in. He has to remind those under him uh, why it's a bad idea to make a huge deal of bringing Kamala in. They had wanted to make a big deal and round up all the girls that fit the description of Miss Marvel, and uh, he was like, "No, let's well, not do that." Yeah, that 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 could get. <laughs> Bad fast. <laughs> exactly. I was, he was like, you guys are dumb. Then later that day after school, Bruno is giving Kamala a ride home. And uh, they have a little bit of a heart to heart about why they shouldn't be dating. But they're still going to be friends. Yay. Um, I never really shipped them anyway. Uh, I agree with what we were talking about before. I ship her with Miles. That's right. <laughs> he's a nice boy. He is a nice boy. <laughs> and he's a good kid. And um, I like that ship. Marvel apparently disagrees because they like Miles and Gwen together and I don't get it, but whatever. <laughs> See, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad that Saladin and, and you know, the, the book as a whole isn't kind of pursuing that relationship. And, and kind of, in fact, it almost adds to kind of that level of teenage angst that's uh, a little bit stereotypical, but it kind of actually shows a decent level of maturity between the two of them. And, I agree. Um, you know, if you're if you remember being that age and all that kind of stuff, it's like, you know, you, you dive headfirst into things without thinking, th thinking things through. And no, this is, this is good. Or at least I did anyway, but no, this is good no. stuff. It was I like stuff. Mike. Mike doesn't, <laughs> Mike's feelings shouldn't be hurt. You know, I agree. I, yeah. I, I, that, um, so I, I was actually kind of happy with that scene. I, I like Bruno, but I like Bruno and Kamala as BFFs. They work better yeah. that way. It doesn't take long uh, after that conversation before a crisis and, uh, comes up and cries for help get Kamala's attention and she has to hero up. Cradle finds her, but after a brief fight, Kamala manages to get away with the help of those she had rescued earlier. Cradle gives up the fight for now, but Dum Dum Dugan swears they'll bring Miss Marvel in sooner rather than later. Uh, dum Dum. <laughs> no, right? Like, what's going on? It's not like he was around a teen hero for years and years and years with Bucky. Yeah, and, and now he's suddenly against it. But uh, also, is, is Dum Dum Dugan still an LMD? I think he is. Oh, that hasn't been he's recommended. Like a, he's like a Coulson LMD yeah. from S.H.I.E.L.D. where he was his personality was downloaded yeah, okay. into one. Okay, yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I wasn't I, sure. I think for context, it all happened in like original Sin. And basically, was it Fury? Uh, yeah. He didn't want to lose his friend because um, Dum Dum basically was his, you know, almost like his conscience. And which is, I'm going to be honest, is a yeah. hugely selfish way to produce an yeah. LMD. <laughs> well, like, that was so well, selfish. 
Look at Coulson. Which um, is exactly what happened in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I'm figuring that's where they pulled it from. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I just, I, I kind of, I just feel like it's such a selfish thing to do and, and fun though, but oh, yeah, <laughs> it makes for good, good writing. <laughs> just wait until you start reading the Dune books, Adam. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm onto that soon. <laughs> My overall impression of the book is uh, it was a bit slower paced, but it was uh, a good issue in that it shows how Kamala's law and Cradle are uh, impacting Kamala's everyday life. But if you want more of the action and what exactly is going on with all the team heroes as a whole, you're going to want to go over back to Champions. Yeah. Um, Saladin Ahmed, as we mentioned earlier, is a fantastic writer who understands um, Kamala and Miles both. And I think this issue shows, um, you know, he can tie in without stepping on Eve's Ewing's toes with what she's doing over in Champions. Like, it's, they're very parallel, but. Yeah, they're, they're parallel to the point where they will never, potentially never fully meet. They're, they're kind of hap- happening at the same time, obviously, that's, you know, what parallel means. But <laughs> I also particularly like the fact that uh, he wrote Dum Dum's entire, very long, very hard to say name. Uh, that was my <laughs> favorite bit of that. this. They've been doing that in every tie-in too when he introduces himself. Yeah, yeah. And I was just, I was reading it, I was like, that that's his name? What? <laughs> that is canon, Yes. <laughs> Wow, yeah. I, I even looked at the Wikipedia. I was just like, wow. <laughs> I also really kind of liked how uh, in this that Saladin pointed some of the uh, more undignified aspects of superheroing, superheroing <laughs> just, because... Just the bit props- where she's like holding onto the bridge is like... <laughs> yeah, and props to Minkyu Young and uh, Juan Velasco for, and Ian Herring for coloring that and everything because that was really... Like, I want to know what the script said about that. Like Kamala is a flat bridge, you know, ferrying people through a flood. Like how? Like what? That's, that's did, it. What that's all that it said. <laughs> and like, yeah, like what? I don't know. That's yeah. just Kamala. Kamala becomes there. a bridge. Go, yeah. go nuts. Exactly. Like it <laughs> yeah. must exactly be how he said it because it was really great. Yeah, I love. I love that they don't shy away from the goofier aspects of her powers. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. She doesn't always have to look cool. I also love the um, the explanation of it all. I liked how Dum Dum went through it, and it was kind of like, "Hey, she she's a polymorph; she can change her face." And it was like, "Oh yeah, she can, can't she?" <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so this this book again, uh, we say it all the time: uh, it, having a consistent art team on a book does wonders. So this yeah. again just proves it. We were talking uh, earlier about how we're wondering. Um, without Juan Blasco for going to notice a difference um, in the artwork with, it uh, looks like uh, Minkyu Young is inking their own work this time around. Um, so the book one is uh, coming out a little bit later than normal for number uh, 16. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure it, it'll be minimal, if anything, but uh, I would be but Still, what, um, Juan Blasco is going to be sorely missed on this yes. book. Yes, he, he absolutely is. And um, I think he's it's already kind of being felt across other books as well. Because yeah. you'll see inkers um, sometimes will be on more than one book. This sets up that Miss Marvel is on Cradle's most wanted list. <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen if they actually catch her and uh, find out who she is. Um, <laughs> she's actually Kamala, because that's going to turn everything <laughs> on its head, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. 
see, I, I kind of, I kind of, um, I think before I saw any previews or any information about issue 16 onwards, um, I, I, I was kind of wondering whether Saladin would um, pull anybody else into the Miss Marvel book. Because uh, we know that Miss Marvel's kind of been almost the face for champions. and uh, But it kind of seems like it is just going to be Kamala on her own. And I feel like um, they need to not do the whole... The scene that I referenced from was from Civil War Two, and I kind of said, well, you know, maybe we're going to get like a Tony Carroll interaction from uh, from the AA meeting in Invincible Iron Man. And uh, I, I, I'm kind of shying away from that idea. I don't actually think it's going to be a particularly good idea, and I'd I'd rather just see Ms. Marvel fighting Cradle. Yeah, I would like to see that as well. I recommend this book because it's just awesome and can be read. The other thing about this that I like is that it can be read as a standalone. Like you don't have to read champions to know what's going on. I feel like mm. and vice versa. So, and, and that's, and that's one of the good things It's kind of, you know, even though I just said, I wonder if are we are going to get that interaction. I'm, I'm of the opinion now, if you want to carry on reading it as a standalone, which in my opinion, this kind of tie in needs to remain standalone yes um yeah I, I i kind of just hope it's it's separate from the from the main title yes um i uh give it four out of five lock jaws yeah they've all been consistently good this week i think we've given them all the same rating um, yeah which is uh which is good yes if, uh, i mean i mean it's getting harder and harder in my opinion to uh to rate these books because the quality coming out of the various different companies at the moment is just uh it's just really good yeah it's completely up there we are so actually actually giving something a five out of five is very difficult to do we we are like having an embarrassment of riches in comics right now i feel like yeah yeah and uh we said it we've said it several times this episode people like simone de mayo peach momoko al ewing um saladin ahmed eve ewing they're just all incredible talents to have their various different books and uh i i hope it continues well into 2021 and in the future so yeah it's great yes um so is anyone have any sort of reading recommendations or anything before we wrap up well, we know that uh, Marvel's X issue six comes out on the Wednesday. This is due to be released, uh, which is the twenty first of October, uh, which is going to be the finale of kind of what seems to be uh, a hugely stretched out book. Obviously, it was delayed due to COVID and all that kind of stuff. But uh, very much looking forward to that. That's the one drawn by Alex Ross, right? By uh, Wellby or. Um, uh, a name I'm probably going to butcher, but his his uh, his name is uh, Velibor Stanajevic. So very very good. good but that one's know. yeah. It, it it I mean that was that first came out in January. I mean it's six issues. It's finally wow. finally finished over ten. It's almost a year since the Marvel's X issue one came out. It's just crazy. Wow. Yeah, it is. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. This year has been both slow and very fast. Um... Yeah, yeah, bit of an oxymoron there, but. I'm still waiting for that release date for Steve Orlando's Darkhold series. <laughs> Isn't Steve Orlando the one who keeps saying he wants to write in humans? Yep. Yes, he... Uh, yep. And we, we know that Black Bolt's on the cover for Darkhold, and then he was dropping some hints on Twitter that Black Bolt's going to be in, f- featured prominently on the cover of something else he's working on. 
And speaking of Black Bolt and covers, the upcoming issue of Fantastic Four has the Alex Ross timeline variant with uh, Black Bolt on it on the 21st. So if you're... Oh, of course. Yeah, that's out this week as well. Yep. Yeah, of course. I, I, I bet we've all got them uh, pre-orders. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. I was again the Medusa one, which I think comes out uh, a, a week after that one. So a week, hopefully a week today um, from the 21st to 28th. But other than that, I don't really have any, any other recommendations. I think these books are smashing out of the park on their own. Um, the only the only one I kind of want to mention is Maestro, but because I've been enjoying Maestro and, and Peter David is a fantastic writer. Good to know. So, um, Captain Marvel was very good this week. If you haven't read it, if you're a fan of the end, uh, you'll want to jump on to the current uh, Captain Marvel arc by Kelly Thompson because it revisits the. Uh, time period from the end uh it just leaps forward a little bit from that tie-in um so you'll want to read that because there's some drama already and it's good <laughs> because carol just met Rhodey's daughter in the future and carol's not the mom so <laughs> we don't know who the mom is but uh oh shit <laughs> yeah carol went what <laughs> awkward this is some soap opera stuff right there this is great yeah yeah right so uh that's a good one um has got some explaining to do in advance yes (laughs) so is there anything else coming out this week that you want to mention Saren? anything at all (laughs) spider woman (laughs) 100 issue with its 16 variant covers um of which you're getting 13 of them (laughs) Um, oh, that's brilliant. Let me tell you something about that. That's it's an extra long issue. So instead of yeah. 30 pages, you're getting 40. And you're getting um, Perry Perez is doing the main story with art by Mattia Di Ilias. Um, Again, apologies for butchering it. It's... <laughs> yeah. Um, for the second story. And if you follow uh, Mattia on Twitter, uh, he did do the Jessica Jones Blind Spot series um, with Kelly Thompson. So if you're, if you're familiar with that, you'll be familiar with his artwork. Um, he posted artwork from uh, his story in Spider Woman number five, and it's got over 9,000 likes right now, making it his probably most popular post ever on Twitter. Um, so if you want some sexy Jessica Drew abs, uh, this will be the issue <laughs> for it. Uh, but yeah. It looks exactly like Jennifer Connolly, by the way. And everyone <laughs> is saying that into the comments. And Maddie is like, I was not thinking of Jennifer Connolly when I drew this. But so, has he said who he was thinking of, though? That's no, the... he, wasn't, he wasn't thinking of anyone. He just drew her that way. And she just happens to look like Jennifer Connolly. <laughs> Which is, but kind of threw me off because if you look at how Michael Gatos drew Jessica Drew and Alias and in uh, Brian Michael Bendis' second Jessica Jones series, she looks just like Jennifer Connelly. So, <laughs> that's Popular woman. That's, now. A... that's two artists now who have drawn Jessica Drew to look like Jennifer Connelly. And Gatos's, I think it was actually intentional for Madia it seems like it was not. So make of it what you will. Apparently Jennifer Connelly is Jessica Drew. <laughs> I don't know. Pick it up, guys. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a banger issue. Um, and but, uh, if if you're fans of the High Evolutionary, apparently that's the direction we're going. So. Ooh. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, and we'll be podcasting with Carla and Perry Perez uh, over on my Spider Woman podcast uh, next week. So if you want to hear hot takes from Carla Pacheco and uh, Perry, uh, <laughs> we'll be talking to them next week. Also out this week is Guardians of the Galaxy number seven. Oh, Finally. It's been good. like a month and a half. I know, right? That series has been awesome. And uh, this one is the aftermath of Empire. Yep. So don't Does miss that it. mean we're going to have to cover it? We're yes. going to have to cover it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, did we see a preview artwork for number eight that shows, uh, or is that seven that shows a certain someone? Eight. Eight shows a certain horrible person from Empire. The, the, the one that uh, enslaved the profiteer. kids. Yes. Yeah. The profiteer will be there in issue number eight. Oh, I'm very much looking forward to that. I, that's one of the comic books I still need to catch up on. I mean, I read the first uh, Guardians it's... of the Galaxy book by Al. And brilliant. Yeah. Oh, no. It's it's so good. And Rocket's back in his space in his uh, tuxedo. <laughs> And uh, looking oh. sharp, yeah, yeah rocket in a tuxedo sharp. that's just, yeah, with guns. <laughs> I mean, it's like total James Bond. Um, oh, and if yeah. you like Marble Boy, he's gonna be in issue number seven prominently. And issue number six, that one was so good. Was it six or five? That was the therapy issue. I don't know, I needed to read it though because <laughs> I think it was six. I think it was, it was the six. last one. Oh, that was good. See what I mean? We've been... got riches, riches coming at us from everywhere. It's fantastic. Yes. It has been so good. Apparently, Donny Cates has a book coming out that is now the most number one pre-ordered comic book ever. Oh, is that oh, crossover? crossover? Yeah. That's that's amazing, isn't it? I mean, that's... Good for him, because he makes... That, yeah. that money goes all to him. So, you know, everyone's like, well, how long are you going to be at Marvel now that uh, he's got crossover filling his pockets with money and i'm like he said he's not leaving thor anytime soon because thor's the one thing he's always wanted to write so and it's been really good uh, from what i've read again i've been terrible at comics up to now i've been basically catching up with the several different series and thor is one of them but from what i have read it's it's genuinely really good and it's all everything apparently everything like there are things in thor and things from silver surfer black that's all tying into the upcoming king in black event so and of course venom and venom <laughs> considering yeah. it's the venom uh venom event um so I, i'm really i'm kind of looking forward to that as well the whole king in black thing is is intriguing and it's expanded massively on the venom lore and that kind of stuff but lots of good shit coming out guys <laughs> yeah. anyway so uh and if you want to recommend even more to us you know you want to put us through some more reading i mean it's our hobby we love to read right um <laughs> But uh, yeah, if you do want to re- recommend some stuff to us, you can get hold of us uh, on the Twitter, which is at AtalanRising1, or you can send us an email at the show at atalanrising.com and uh, we'll get back to you. You can go into a little draw for some swag and, and we'll we'll dig a name out of the hat and give some people some nice swag at the end of the year or something. So Free but stuff, anyway, guys. Get your free, free stuff. stuff. And uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you next episode.